recording in progress. Hey, uh, I imagine you probably want to talk about this Prince thing. Well, yeah, you, uh, we, we had a pretty good, pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty big story hit yesterday. Yeah, the, and man, and, and you and I, um, little peel, peeling back the curtain here, you and I worked on the original story back in 2019, and you and I both worked on this story that, that came out, um, yesterday um but as i was writing my part of it yesterday i was really you know the thing about journalists is uh we don't know we don't know a lot about anything yet we know a little about everything right (laughs) it's kind of the way you got to be to be able to report something and i don't know a whole lot about legalese or um you know the, the justice system or anything so I had a hard time trying to word exactly what that report was. It was technically a lawsuit, but was also a um, a uh, a nuisance abatement request, and it was also a formal complaint, and it, it was all of these things. Well, and so I just to be clear, th- those are all kind of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, a lawsuit isn't necessarily a nuisance nuisance abatement request, but a nuisance abatement request is a type of lawsuit. Right. And right. and and a, a formal com- complaint. A, a complaint is part of a lawsuit. So right. I just uh I, I treaded those I think I used all those words <laughs> in writing. And uh um it, you know, people don't understand that about about journalists is we really do <laughs> sit there and um the words we write matter and and the words are, are often very carefully chosen and uh um sorry i didn't mean to bog down into that but but so i i say all that just to say it is finally a formal complaint this is kind of what when back in 2019 um this was uh now um three years ago amazingly um when we did our first edition of the rant monthly this was the story we led with um and i don't know if we went into it, went into it hoping for an end result uh i think you and i went into it hoping that um it would at least uh communicate that we have this problem here in sanford and that something should be done about it and i don't know if you and i expected anything to be done but here we are three years later, and this looks like something pretty official, pretty big that um, could lead to this place closing. And I want to talk about what this place closing will mean in a little bit, but also just just kind of before we get to that, just kind of throwing out that I, I really do think, and I'm not saying this to to pat ourselves on the back or or you know slap you in the butt or anything, but uh, I do think Good hustle. I think this, I think our article in 2019 had to have at least helped get the ball rolling. And the only reason I say that is because in this 92 page complaint, uh, the rant article from 2019 is mentioned twice in it. So, oh yeah. Well, when we first went to print with that story on the cover, you know, there were times when I would be down at the city or county offices and 
people were saying things like, oh, it's very exciting that you guys have a print product now. And somebody would see, you know, somebody else and be like, hey, did you see the the rant story on the Prince Motel? And the person was like, yeah, I saw it. And that that's because, you know, we, we shined a little bit of sunlight on it and government reacted. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. take all the credit, but. No, 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 no. Um, they, they, they've, uh, the, the city has done this before um, in at least two cases that I can think of. One in 2017 with a boarding house that was on Chisholm Street. And one had to have been in 2007 or 8 um, at a place that was called Club Bumblebee at the uh, intersection of Industrial Drive and Frazier, I think, and uh, down in Jonesboro. And so there's there's precedent for it, but neither of those are, are as big or were as big a nuisance, I think, as the Prince Motel, both in terms of, you know, the size of the property and, you know, what was the things that were going on there. So um, yeah. assuming this lawsuit is successful, um, I, you know, I think it'll be it'll be pretty big for that area. Uh, you and I both read the entire 92 page report um and i think you and i both um from the story we did three years ago and just from common knowledge i mean hell i used to live four blocks from this place i i've known about the prince motel and and it's you know quote unquote seediness for for all 15 years i've, I've been in sanford that said, a lot from this report um, still shocked me. Yeah. Because, yes, you knew bad stuff was going on. But, uh, for example, we have, um, and I, I want to commend uh, the attorneys who, who put this together. Um, in the end, it's actually pretty quality journalism to, to, <laughs> to track down the people that they track down. And, uh, and um, right. You know, it, it helped our story definitely. But in addition to just the police officers, and I'm sitting here reading this, and the first four or five affidavits are straight from police officers, and I'm thinking, eh, you know, this is good stuff, but this is stuff we already know. But then it gets into um, some of the residents that live around it, and uh, you and I talked to several residents back in the 2019 story. Again, this is good stuff, and stuff we kind of already knew. Uh, what where where this report went further than you and I could ever do or at the time was uh, it talked to convicted drug dealers and it talked to uh, a woman who lost her daughter to um, a drug overdose on the property. And, uh, and that one I think to, was the most shocking for me to hear her talk about her daughter yeah. being part of a group of girls that was prostituted a prostitution out. ring, a yeah, prostitution just, ring. Yeah. You know, even ha having been the crime reporter at the Herald for eight years and knowing so many people in law enforcement, you're aware that this stuff happens in Sanford, but it's still shocking to find out, you know, it's a place that you drive by every day. Um, mm -hmm. and or really, a place that I lived four blocks from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, John, John and I uh, used to live on Vance Street down from there. and Yeah, even closer to it. It's, you know, I don't remember a whole lot of riffraff in that time that would have been 2000 
2006 to 2008 or so. I lived in the historic district all the way up to 2021. And um, for the entire 12, 13 years that we lived there, 14 years we lived there was, uh, um, we were far enough from it to where it wasn't within our sight. But we definitely, um, you know, we we saw people walking in front of our house that that would stay there. We had, I'd be out mowing the yard. There would be several occasions where someone would ask me for money or ask if they could take the mower from me and finish the work so they could have 20 bucks or something like that. Um, there were several, um, you know, we could hear gunshots. We could hear, mm-hmm. uh, we could, we, it, it was just, you know, and even just walking in our neighborhood, we would walk near it and you would see um, uh, unfortunate things. And uh, from the story, there's uh, the, the, convicted drug dealer and we don't use his name but his name is in the report and he says um that he sold crack cocaine and heroin heroin on the property quote as many as 50 times per day uh and even sold to the to the general manager there and and the general manager uh who chased us off the property when we were there uh, I, 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 th- I, I think that the ownership has changed since we were there in 2019 that was laid the out owner- the ownership has changed, but the general manager remained. That oh. was uh, so. What I what I got from this report was the general manager was there when um, when Shaw uh, and I don't have Barrett Badress Shaw was the was the previous owner, and this guy Parisha Nake, and I don't know if I'm saying the last name correctly, but he's known more commonly as Pete. Um, he was the general manager under Shaw and then Shaw sold the property to Nake, but the official owner is Amita Nake, which is uh, Pete's wife. So, um, and then Pete remained the general manager uh, through the, uh, after the acquisition. This is what I understand from the report. I, again, I may be a little bit off on some of the details there, but uh but yes, the general manager remained, and uh, and he he does not come out of this report looking good at all. Whereas maybe you and I thought in the past he was just a very terrible slumlord who, you know, turned a blind eye to everything that was going on. This report suggests from sworn testimonies from multiple people that not only did he turn a blind eye to what was going on, but he was involved in what was going on and contributed to some of the activity and um one and little one that, little that was plot. another surprising detail from from the report for me one one little plot cul-de-sac in this story um involves because i remember when you and i went down there in 2019 to see if we could talk to some of the residents perhaps talk to the manager and we got chased off and we were told in no uncertain terms that we needed to leave right now. I, I I made the assumption that our if I inquired with him for a comment, I would not be welcome. So I called his attorney, the attorney representing the defendants in the case, and uh, I got to say the, the 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 doing your job of, of the year award <laughs> goes to this attorney who I, I said you know the last time I went there I was you know, not welcome to the property. So I figured I'd contact the attorney for, for a statement. The attorney told me, well, they're very vigilant about who comes on that property. 
yeah. uh, assuming, wrongly assuming that they would have no comment, I made the call as a courtesy to let them know I was writing the story. And if they chose to comment, we would welcome it. And to my surprise, I was given a comment by the attorneys who said these are hardworking immigrants who are just trying to achieve the American dream. And uh, he said that these are um, these nuisance laws are designed for people who run drug dens and liquor dens and other places of ill repute. And these people are just trying to run a low budget motel. And I said, well, you know, you to talk about drug dens and liquor dens, uh, these things are are said in the complaint, these allegations are made by you know, multiple sworn testimonies, as, as you said. Um, do you contest those? And the attorney said, well, I haven't read the complaint, but I contest that uh, that this is a nuisance. And I, you, The attorney has to say what the attorney has to say. Right, right. And everybody's entitled to a defense and you can't hold it against them. But again, there are people was, holding it against them on some of our comments. But Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. the comments, the the the. Every time we've written about the prince for the last three years, the chorus of comments has been, why hasn't this been bulldozed? Why hasn't this been bulldozed? And, and a lot of the comments are thrilled that it's finally happening, but there are, there are now people complaining that, oh, this isn't going to do anything, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's only happening now because of money. But, and well, so, it's just sometimes so you can't I've, I've win for about, losing. I've got about 10 more minutes before I unfortunately have to jump off this, but um, that's what I want to spend the last 10 minutes talking about is is some of those comments and um, and and the phrase "this isn't going to fix anything." Uh, I agree that tearing down the Prince Motel or turning it into something else, or whatever, is not going to stop drug dealing and prostitution, prostitution yeah. and crime and assaults and murders. But to say it's not going to uh, do anything is incorrect yeah. because you're removing a location for that activity. Will it go somewhere else? Yes. Absolutely. And, 100%. And are there other places the, the city and perhaps the county should be looking at as far as nuisance complaints? Absolutely. But anybody but with who, that mindset, you just give up 100% and and uh, you don't do anything because, well, I ain't going to stop it. Well, I, I think that <laughs> especially if you read the whole complaint, which we didn't publish because it's got names and, and, and whatnot. But even if you just read our coverage of the complaint, it paints a pretty good picture of what a process this is. Just the fact that there were a hundred affiants, you know, it takes time to track those people down, to talk to them, to, to, to get all your information in order. We wrote the story off the complaint yesterday in a matter of hours, but, I mean, I, there was a comment to the effect of a lot of this took the better part of a year to put together. And yeah. then, you know, once everything's in place, you get it over to a lawyer who's got to drop the complaint and it, it takes time. And yeah. unfortunately it takes, you know, some, some, some serious crimes to, uh, to get people looking at these things. And, and back to the comment of this doesn't fix anything. What it does fix is, is it will help a neighborhood greatly. It'll help mm -hmm. a, a line of businesses greatly. And then some people will say, oh, well, you're just doing that because there's affluent neighborhoods near there. Or what? That's not the case. The historic district is, is not full a of, it's not a class. Yeah. It's a very working class neighborhood um, full of homes that were built back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. Um, 
a lot of people, yes, have come in and renovated some of these homes. And there are some nice homes in that in that neighborhood. But for as many really nice homes there, there are, uh, I'm not going to say uh, poor homes because I think they all look nice, but there are, are working class families there. This is not helping a white neighborhood. Someone um, offered the comment that if this was on the other side of the tracks, this would be a different story. And it would not be because... It wasn't a different story when it was literally on the other side of the tracks in 2017 with that boarding house and it happened. The nuisance was abated and we covered it. Absolutely. Um, But also this stems from a neighborhood coming together and, and drawing up formal petitions and Mm -hmm. attending city council meetings and talking to us and, um, and just so on and so on and so on. This isn't, the, you know, this isn't just all of a sudden we want to put a business here. So out you go. This is this has been ten years in the in the in the making, and and yes, there there's the hotels along US one. There's um, there's the one over there, um, you know, off of four twenty one, uh, kind of on the near the US one intersection. There are other places where people are going to go. Uh, um, and you know, I, I think should the police department start getting numerous complaints from these places, should, um, murders happen there, should assaults happen there, then the process will begin over again. The difference in those places is some of them, and some of them are situated next to neighborhoods, but not all of them are situated next to neighborhoods. You're at least taking away a safety hazard from a neighborhood. And, and that's uh, not a bad thing. Another thing it helps is there, as documented in our first story and mentioned in the story yesterday, there are people who live there who aren't involved in crime and are down on their luck and have to live there and and fear for their safety. And efforts are being made to relocate those people to 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 safer places. And yeah. th- this hopefully, yeah. yeah. I mean, do we know that or that? Yes, yeah. That's in the story. Okay. There, the city's working okay. with the S three Housing Connect and. Non-profits. Oh, that was your part of it. Yeah, I don't read the parts you write, so I understand. I read the parts you wrote because <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, presented. I'm just correctly. kidding. I, I read yeah. your parts. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it, you know that that is not nothing. That is that is that is a measurable good for 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 those people. So yeah, I, I hope they're glad. It, it's uh, it, it it's a good story. It's it's a good thing. For, for the city it's going to help that street it's going to help that area it's going to help those people that live near it it's going to help those businesses you know poor miss Lacey's, the restaurant that is is uh you know their, their clientele are are older people and for the most part i mean everybody eats there but they have a lot of regular customers and and uh you know uh, as they say in the in the affidavit and in the story um, they had customers who feared parking yeah. to go eat at a restaurant. And it's just, uh, again, it, it's amazing. It's really amazing that it took this long, but it's also refreshing that it finally is happening. And uh, I don't see, based on the affidavit, I don't see this ownership coming out of this maintaining their business. I just don't see no, it. But no. Well, the I look, regardless of whether they're able to sell or if they go bankrupt or what, 
uh, it obviously the city's taking steps to to put into city ordinance that that can't be that location can't be used for lodging for temporary lodging like that so regardless of what happens the place is is going to be done um it's just it's a matter of seeing if a if a sale can be successful you know the the building's essentially useless if that happens and that's where all the money's tied up so um we did have a comment from a realtor who says there is local interest in the property and they want to you know they want the the prints gone so it'll just you know bear watching as we go forward to see what happens there but it could be a really awesome spot for yeah. something i don't know yeah. what i don't know what that means i don't know if it's a restaurant or a little little office complex or a row of townhomes but hey another rundown motel right <laughs> right we're gonna build a new rundown motel we're gonna make it look all new all new everything we're just gonna make it look exactly like the old one yeah So our guest this week is Jeremy Palmy, who is the head coach of the Sanford Spinners. Um, he's He's been on the podcast once or twice before, but uh, to talk about the 2022 season so far, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, just right out of the gate, the Spinners are off to a hell of a start this year. Uh, nine and two, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Just uh, talk... Talk a little bit about what that's been like, you know, coaching a team that's had so much success so early. Oh, I mean, it's it's been great. Winning is always fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been kind of every game has been different. We've we've been lucky enough and um, fought hard enough to find a way to win different games in different ways. So, like our last game, we won three to two, and it was a really well-pitched game but we did just enough to pull it out where the two games previous to that the bats were really loud and we scored 30 runs in two games so it's been kind of a mixed bag but we're finding ways to come out on top and this is I mean you've got a pretty pretty there's a couple familiar names from last year but you've got a pretty different team this year do you want to talk a little bit about the process of you know, selecting players and, and how that's worked for you and what you kind of looked for in, in kids to be on the team? Yeah, I mean, so this year I was able to be more part of the process of getting guys in here. Last year, you know, it was kind of last minute, last couple of months. Um, yeah. So the league had provided the majority of the roster last year, and then I brought in a couple of guys late. Um, this year – they got to start with a couple of guys that knew that they wanted to come back from last year and then we got to build it kind of from the ground up. Um, there are a few guys that the league brought in that signed up through the league that I didn't necessarily know, but then quite a few other guys that I was able to reach out with or contacts with certain coaches or players or whatever it might be. And it just kind of worked out. We, uh, we were able to get a lot more pitching this year. That's what I definitely learned from last year, that pitchers get hurt or have to go down for a little while. So the more you have, the better. 
the pitching has really, I mean, like you said, there's been a couple of games where you guys were scoring in the double digits, but the pitching really seems to be one of the big things that's driving this. I haven't seen teams run up a lot of scores against you guys. No, yeah, the pitching has been phenomenal early on. Um, yeah, I mean, I was knocking on wood. Just hopefully it stays that way. But, um, yeah, they've, they've done an amazing job so far. We tried to really spread it out and keep pitch counts down and keeping these guys healthy. And, yeah, it's so far so good. There's only one team that's beat you guys. <laughs> and is, is that turning into a little bit of rivalry? You guys are – Two, two and two against the Sand Hills bogeys is at, at those games are the guys kind of talking trash and getting loud and turning into a rivalry. Yeah, it's gotten there's been a couple of those four games where it, it got a little chippy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely see this becoming a rivalry, not only this season, but being so close right up the road. I yeah, I got a feeling you're going to see a lot of spinners bogeys rivalries and summers to come yeah i noticed they uh opened their own big stadium down there um they have all the money down there yeah (laughs) i got a feeling our stadium is going to be even nicer once that's what i was going to bring up so are you excited uh, excited to get in that stadium very much so very much so i can't i can't wait i think yeah, it's going to be better for the players. It's going to be better for the coaches. It's going to be better for the fans, definitely. I, I think it'll be better for the whole entire program, top to bottom. I can yeah, ask- Gordon and I were talking to enjoy a, a beverage during the game, which would be nice. 100%. Per- <laughs> yeah. 100%. That's what summer baseball should be like. That's right. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it could happen at Southern Lee, but it's definitely a family atmosphere there. But I, you know, with this new complex, I, I can definitely envision, you know, baseball hooligans coming and really, really, really getting under the skin of the opposing players, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I really, definitely looking forward to it. <laughs> I really think that you know, spinners will take off then whenever that happens. Um, do they have a date for that yet? Or? It's probably two years out at least. Really? There's, I think uh, y'all are, are doing good to kind of build your fan base now. So when people, when the stadium's here, you know, you can move in, it'll be, it'll be great. How has, I've, I've gotten to go to, I think, two games so far this year. Um, but how, how has attendance been in comparison to last year? I mean, it seemed like it was, it was pretty good last year and it seems the same this year, but I've, like I said, I've only been to a couple games. Yeah, it's, um yeah, I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty similar to last year. Mm-hmm. The only thing you know, last year was majority doubleheaders in the middle of the afternoon. Oh yeah, and stuff like that. it was a little bit more spread out. With this year being all nine inning solo games at seven o'clock at night, the weekday games are a little bit slimmer than the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I think as far as what we've seen from other ballparks, um, and I believe we've played everywhere now in the east at least and yeah i think our attendance ours and sand hills honestly have been the best so far in the east at least yeah i didn't realize that they uh, that they had put up a, a stadium i'm sure it's used for other things but i didn't realize they'd put up a stadium down there for for the for the for the bogeys i think it's yeah, for uh, sand hills community college too so. oh, okay yep. 
on the Sand Hills Community College campus. And uh, yeah, they literally, I think, got this thing up like within two months. Yeah. So really quick. <laughs> Jeremy, you're involved with baseball beyond just the spinners uh, at Lee County High School. Um, now being into kind of a second year, how do you see the spinners fitting into the kind of baseball picture locally? I mean, baseball is a, a big deal around here. Do you think people are, are catching on as, as y'all become more established? Absolutely. I, that's, that's kind of the, the vision for the future of this thing is we, we have a great baseball community here in Sanford and surrounding areas as well. Um, and yeah, as as this program builds and more talent comes up through these local high schools and stuff like that, I I absolutely see us getting more and more local guys to come play for us. And which is what this thing is all about. This originally started as a summer league where guys could go off to college and come back to their hometown, their home right. area, and have a place. Right. I said, you need to talk to uh, Thomas Harrington and get him to come pitch for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got a feeling he's going to be drafted here in the next couple of days. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'll be a little busy, huh? Yeah, yeah. That kid's impressive. It's very <laughs> impressive. Um, do you feel like the – I mean, obviously the, the, the proof is in the result. You guys are off to a great start. But just, I mean, in terms of the talent level, do you see the, the league getting – more more talented players guys who have more serious ambition absolutely absolutely i i've only been a part of this, this is now the second summer in this league but i know a lot of people who have been a part of it for five six years mm-hmm. and every single year their progression is obvious and yeah from this year to last year not only our team but at the league as a whole the talent level is definitely higher, more competitive from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster. That's the one thing I can say about our team this year. There is not a week on our roster. I can pick nine names out of a hat and throw them out there and do well. Awesome. What um, We're almost to the halfway point of the season. Um, what sort of things are you looking at in terms of the, the second half as far as the schedule? I mean, are you playing – more teams that you haven't seen yet? Do you have more of a, uh, you guys started a little later in the season. Your game, your first game was four or five days in. Do you have a, a tighter schedule in the second half? How's that looking? So as of right now, we have, I think more non-conference games in the second half. We kind of started out hot on the conference games. Um, so we'll see a couple of the West Coast teams and stuff like that. Um, I, we've got also a couple of guys coming in for the second half. Okay. Uh, we have a third catcher and then hopefully we'll see, hopefully a name that you'll recognize from last year, but yeah. Not jinx it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, it, it'll be a lot of the same. I'm hoping mm-hmm. as last year, we'll see. I want to say four West Coast teams, though, within that second half that we haven't seen yet. So, yeah, and there was none of that. Like I keep calling it interleague play because it's the closest thing absolutely. I can. Yeah, but there there wasn't any of that last year. You guys, it was all, all the games were within the division, right? Correct. 
is right. it is is doing that just a thought to you know get the guys to see other other teams throughout the year or what 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 drove that yeah and i i think it's you know playing so many games in such a short period of time you want to try to spray if you're playing 30 games over two months you don't want to play the same four or five teams over and over and over right um obviously travel times and with it being only day trips as at least as of right now um it makes it a little bit tough for the teams a little further west and further east but yeah wanting wanting to see as much competition in different you know teams different players as you can throughout the year um and then yeah the league is expanding as well so we're up to what 13 teams this year okay and i got a feeling there'll be a couple more next year Right. So I think they'll continue to try to do that and play with the schedules and yeah, try to see as many different matchups as they can throughout the summer. There, there was one team that did like bullpen reviews. Did you see that? It was on TikTok. Their pitching staff would review uh, bullpens from each uh, place they went. I didn't no, see the one for Sanford, but there was like one for uh, – the Ramsor Park, and, and it, was, it was pretty neat. Have y'all got into TikTok or anything? No, no, we haven't <laughs> yet. But, yeah, I think um, definitely that's something that uh, I'm talking with the league and a couple people within the spinners about just trying to get more of a social media presence or have someone to help run just that. With your involvement with Lee County High School, and, John, this is a good question for you, too, because – Cameron plays for Southern, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I was interested in is, you know, having the high school team kids here see sort of the next level locally. Do either of y'all have experience hearing the, the kids at the high schools, you know, talking about this as maybe an aspiration or a, a thing that they'd like to do when they, when they get to that level? I I've talked with some of the guys about it. Um, and I've even some of the JV guys, talked about they're going to come out this summer and practice with us and be able to see some of these guys and meet them and mm-hmm. you know maybe hopefully yeah. learn from them um as far as it it's kind of a tricky situation because i don't think anybody coming out of southern lee or lee county high school this year is going to play college baseball so the pool mm-hmm. only kind of that you'd be pulling from is the guys who are already committed to play at the next level right um so year to year it's gonna kind of change depending on what that class looks like from each school and how many guys are actually going to play college ball and what level of college ball and all that good stuff right yeah um my stepson is cameron richie he plays for southern league so he's uh he's been out to the park to watch you guys a couple times he said he he wants to do it when he gets into college, but I don't know if he 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 stays busy all summer anyway with travel and all types of things. I think Southern had one guy going to college, uh, Trent Matt Burnett. He's going to Methodist. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. Yeah, but um, and he's he's a good player. He's he's pretty all around great. He can do pretty much anything. But yeah, it would be cool to get some local guys on the team. I know I was uh, I was. Half joking about Thomas, but I'll, that whole class there at Southern, they had a whole bunch of kids go to college that year. So uh, they may, yeah. you know, they spend a lot of their summers in college. So 
working out and trying to get, you know, try to make the starting lineup. So uh, it's hard to get sometimes, but yeah. How, how big a jump is that from to, to go from high school to college? What's the, uh, I mean, I don't know if the, the attrition rate is the right word, but like how many kids who play high school go on to play in college? It's very, it's, I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> tough. I it's mean, tough, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a lot of different levels and Jeremy can say that. I mean, but, you know, like JUCO, um, which are still really good teams, and it's really hard to make even some of those teams. So, yeah. if you want to play, you can probably find a spot um, if you are somewhat good. But to play at a really high level, is very it's almost as hard as the jump from college to pros. Um, I mean, it's it's a, obviously it's super hard to get into the pros. Right. Yeah, and I mean to piggyback off of that, absolutely. There's a bunch of different levels of college baseball. So, like, yeah, like we said, uh, if you found a low-level JUCO, maybe a program that's just starting out, there is a lot of guys that could play for that, you know, could play for a school like that. But at the same time, academically, are you trying to go to a college like that or start just starting out a program versus some of the guys who are a little bit higher up that are going to try to go D1 or academically want to go division one and may not be able to hang with the talent level but yeah from anything juco um d2 d3 yeah i would say uh, maybe a couple of guys each year from yeah, the school right. i think that um you know at some point your love of the game has to way against your uh, want to go to a bigger school or, you know, because at some point you realize you're not going to play in major leagues. So. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just kind I of really good ball. Yep. Really good ball players stop playing after high school because they have bigger plans academically or career-wise. Yeah. And, you know, vice versa, I've, I've seen very mediocre players really push to continue playing in college so they find a school that will take them so they right. can continue to play yeah going back to uh thomas harrington i was talking with a guy who um used to be a football coach at southern lee but he did baseball one year and he told me he was always more of a football guy but you know the 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 players that was when i guess thomas was still at southern lee and some of the players were saying hey coach you think you can you can hit Thomas. And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I can, I can take this kid. And he yeah. stepped in there and he just got blown away. You know, he was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even high school now is because I played in high school and I was not good at all. <laughs> like, I mean, I played up JV, I think, or whatever, but, but now they're like very high level, even like, you know, we got, we have two good high school teams in Southern and we, we as uh we won the two games this year, so we got to get them back next year. <laughs> uh, I, I I think the game's probably advanced a lot, even in the last twenty or so years. I can remember in college going to see the Kinston Indians, and they were single A, I think. And I remember being like, "Wow, this is like not good baseball." And <laughs> but I'm I don't get that sense at these games. It seems like the the players are becoming a lot more prepared a lot earlier. Do y'all think that's the case? Yeah, I would say that 
I mean, kids are playing 100 games in summer now. You know, it's it's pretty crazy. I don't want to dominate the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah, but I mean, I think everything, sports in general, is coming more and more specified and more and more dialed in on specific little things. So, yeah, I mean, you see guys nowadays that are labeled as POs or pitcher onlys uh-huh. that don't ever swing the bat and went in middle school. So oh, wow. of these kids, you know, are ball players, but they say, well, yeah, you probably don't look like you're, I mean, and they're in middle school. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we're going to create, you know, you're going to be a pitcher. So that's all they work on from the time that they're 12 all the way to 18 till they're going to college. So, yeah, yeah everything is becoming much more specified. Everybody's got private lessons. Everybody's got, you know, a travel organization that they're a part of. And, yeah, it's it's a lot different. Even since I was in school, which, you know, about 15 years ago. So, yeah, right. lots changed. Right. Yeah, we went to a tournament in Atlanta like two weeks ago and – one of Cameron's friends through 95 and he's 16. Good God. 95. It's amazing. But uh <laughs> I mean these are high level kids and they they all they do since they've been probably 10 and specializing pitching. So how hard would it be to get a radar gun out at the uh at the spinners games? <laughs> I have a radar I've got gun. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say I've got one. Yeah. It'd be it'd be uh, cool to I don't I don't know where it would be displayed. Maybe that's a maybe that's a thing for when the sports complex opens. But I'd I'd love to see the 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 velocity on those guys because they're out there and they're I mean they're throwing the ball. Well, we yeah. need we need like a really nice scoreboard at Southern. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe we can get that on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, next time you're out at a game, Gordon, let me know. And I'll, I'll I'll hand you it's a little pocket radar. It's really really small. You okay. Just stand back, plate, and hold the button, and yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we're gonna try to get out to a, a game. I think this weekend. So. Um, okay. I well, it, are there home games I this weekend? Yeah, I think we're away on Saturday. Um, we're home tonight and home tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah, I think away on Saturday, and I don't know what next week looks like. Okay, we might come out tonight or tomorrow night. It's always a fun time. Anybody listening who hasn't been, I, I totally recommend it. It's, uh, it's just not something that you could really do in Sanford before this. I mean, yes, there's high school, yes, there's there's little league, but this is just another level up, and it's it's a lot of fun. One suggestion I would have is you need more merch. Y'all have a merch tent this time, or a table? <laughs> everything's going uh from the concession stand okay I know they, they've been selling a couple of different kind of hats um i think they have a couple of different shirts i'm not 100 sure that's that's kind of out of my area of expertise <laughs> yeah i gotta get one of those hats yeah yeah me too well look jeremy i don't want to take any more of your time i know you got stuff going on and you got a game tonight to get ready for but thank you for joining us and if you i i don't know if you just want to repeat like the website and the Facebook for the spinners so that if anybody's interested, they can check it out. Absolutely. If you guys, yeah. On the Facebook, Twitter, if you search for Sanford spinners, it should come right up. Um, follow the old North state league on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as a okay. whole. Um, yeah. 
but hopefully we'll make this a, a nice little run to remember this summer. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, Coach Palmy, I looked on the, uh, the TikTok here, and I see that Evan Swift, is that one of your players? Yeah, that is one of them. He did a bullpen review for of the spinner, so you need to check that out. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Ask him about it. It looks pretty All right, good. I don't, yeah, I can't say that I'm on TikTok too much, but uh, I, I'll ask him. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you, Jeremy, and uh, keep giving him hell. All right. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Yeah, man. Take care. <laughs>